Hello, this is Black Country Blokes chewing the fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen. I've been yeah, just the Black Country Blokes, tuning the fact about everything that is mental health, disability, and life in general. Here with me, with my partner in crime, Lee Cadman, and our special guest today is Joe Plum. So Joe, thank you, brother, for coming on. Thank you for having me back. Now, those who didn't uh, see Joe's first episode, it was almost two years to the day. We're all in our pandemic. We're all in our different homes. And, uh, you know, through that episode and staying in touch with each other, we've become good friends. And um, we're only on the phone the other day having a catch-up. So, Joe, thank you, brother, for coming back on. No, thank you. It's lovely to talk to you guys. I can't believe it's been two years. I know. We were just saying off air, before we go into um, our gratitude, we were just saying, but in that two years... Like we're we're all in a state of fear, and I think a lot of us, in some ways, have stayed in fear from, be it the pandemic, to illness, now to Ukraine, now to energy crisis, and we've had so much misery and death, famine. It's like something biblical at the Bible, it's the end of the world, and we're having that force in our throats. Whether we turn on our phones, our TVs, turn on the radios, listen to podcasts, and we're having doom and gloom, and it's gonna take its effect, isn't it? Oh, it's had a massive effect. Like, like we were saying off air just a minute ago, like myself included, like the last week when you, you know, before it was the COVID pandemic and that was surreal. No one ever thought we'd be living in a pandemic back then. And now we all of a sudden we're hit with, you know, like you say, the energy crisis and, you know, the cost of living being all over the place and so many people struggling. Then you've also still got COVID, but you've got, you know, parliament scandals and all of that going on and Tories doing whatever the Tories have done um and then you've got Russia and Ukraine you know that's another thing which has shocked everyone you know there's been tension between the two countries for a long time but it's just hit a boiling point and it has affected everyone and uh yeah, it's, it's hard not to get you down. You know, you switch on your phone, it's there. You have the notifications come up. You turn on TV, the news is there. Social media, you log on. One of your friends is talking about it. It is in front of us all of the time. And even if we go to work, our colleagues are talking about it as well. So it's like you can't escape. What we were saying, like, off air, like, meant, uh, it's Mental Health Awareness Week next week. And the sad thing about the pandemic was, we're starting to see, yeah, people are actually getting what we've been on about. If you didn't suffer mental health problems, you could see you're thinking, wow, I know it feels to be lonely. Wow, I know it feels to be anxious or depressed. Or, And it was getting to this thing of the doors are going to open and we're going to make a change. And then all of a sudden, as you said, it's gone back to we'll just talk about it. We'll talk about it, but nothing actually happens. Yeah, it, it seems to be like it's been forgotten, like, how and I, you guys probably remember like the first first month of lockdown you know everyone getting outside we had that glorious weather mm. uh that came our way and it was just getting outside it was the things that were so simple that made us so happy in our everyday lives and then it was realizing 
how lucky we are when we can connect with people every day and how important it is to check in on friends and family and not take that for granted. And then now it seems like everyone talking about that openly, it's just all been forgotten because yeah, there is so much to think of now, like we said, the cost of living and you know the crisis going on in Ukraine. Um, but it just seems to be forgotten that importance of really being kind and checking in. And we see, I've heard endless stories of social media, you know, how people being trolled on social media and we see the eating disorder rates among children and young people going through the roof again because of cyberbullying and all these ads starting to pop up about how your body image should be. It just feels like we've just been thrown back again. And uh, like I said to you guys, I was hoping that actually that had made a difference that was going to stay but no it's not all doom and gloom but it does feel like we're going back to our old ways again what do you think um obviously you haven't got all the answers joe but what uh, from your own experience what do you think at this point would would help we just need education from a very uh, early age um when we look at what the government have introduced which was still very late um so the RSE or RSHE, so RSE is primary, RSHE is um, secondary, and that was to talk about mental health and and your mental well-being um, and how to look after yourself. But that's just, that's literally a weak PSHE lesson and that's forgotten about. And I think we really need to educate from a young age about, you know, when I talk about my life story, being autistic in, in school and being beaten up and bullied all throughout my school life, that was because, you know, children at a very young age, if you're different, they will shy away from you. That's not their fault, but that seems very scary. But because you don't have that education there as to that person is different because of that and we need to celebrate our differences, these problems carry on. It's not looking out for others, how to support your friends if they're in crisis where do you go if you believe that your friend might be in danger? How do you open up that conversation? What can you do to keep yourself well? Um, and also having the right support in schools and the right training for teachers as well is is key. And these tools and things that you learn in school carry you through for the rest of your life into workplaces. But we've also got to have support in workplaces as well. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, Joe, because sorry to, sorry to cut in there, but it's funny you mentioned that because I mentioned on our radio show, I think it was Thursday, that um, we, we do we do work within companies now who who we go in and talk about mental health and in the hope that other people open up. But there's a there's a key point of it all missing. It's all it's it's fantastic now that we're getting mental health first aid trainers in there, but it but it needs to start with the culture within that company. So if you're overworking your, your staff, if you're putting unnecessary stress on them, if you're, you know, if you're making it miserable for them to go to work, that's the cause of it. You can have, a, you can have 3 million mental health first aiders, but if you're not getting to the cause of it and changing the behaviours within it, you're basically wasting your time. And it's the same with school, isn't it? It's, I remember during, during lockdown, my son used to, they used to do him a free period basically where he could look after his mental health and, and not do school work. Um, and it was, it was a couple of hours at least once a week that they'd actually schedule that in, but he's gone back to school now and that's gone. 
Mm-hmm. He just said, well, really, he's you know, if he it luckily he doesn't he doesn't suffer with with poor mental health. But if the, if he did, then why is the help all of a sudden stopped? Why is that time stopped? That time could still be used for the for the same, even if it that time is used for education on mental health. Um, to allow these children to open up more, it'd be a big bonus. Well, I remember Nick Davis. I remember Nick Davis saying that because there's a difference between being productive and busy. And I think a lot of times we're being busy, 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 but nothing's actually getting done. Instead of go and have a rest, go and read a comic, go and do whatever. And when your mind's in the right step, now will be constructive, constructive, constructive. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, going to the you know mental health first aid, the training's great, but that's a week long and I don't think that covers all basis. And it should be all managers, all people in higher positions and also any employees. You know, you should have an induction where you talk about mental, mental health and mental well-being inside the workplace, you know, how to look after yourself, but also what is tolerated and what's not tolerated. But it is also like when you go for your basic first aid training. I mean, I'm a, I'm a trained medic. And when you have your basic first aid training, it's just, you know, what, what you, you don't learn much. And it's literally, you sit in there, you listen for a bit and they mark you off. There isn't that much practical and it's too easy. But like you said, the culture needs to change and, in schools it definitely needs to change but we also need to allow mental health days if you're sick you shouldn't have to just call in sick because you're throwing up like you do if you're having a crisis and you're almost at the point of a meltdown or you are having a meltdown it should be the same rules that apply when you're sick leave it 48 hours after you feel a bit better give yourself a bit of time and come back and we'll support you when you come back and we'll put these steps in place to help you. Um, because that's also leading up to problems with people going to their GP. The GPs are diagnosing people with depression and I'm not putting anyone's, uh, you know, uh, experiences down, but not everyone is depressed. The terminology we use, everyone gets sad and as horrible as that feel, depression is a clinical thing. It's a chemical imbalance, which is a lot different and what this is also doing is it's clogging up the services which we've got such a backlog and there's people that need this support who need to be put on antidepressants and need that help alongside it that aren't getting there because people are just being diagnosed left right and center and the antidepressant misuse and the amount that that's being prescribed is so dangerous you know if you're sad going to the GP, you don't necessarily need antidepressants if it's not depression, because that can make things worse. In the pandemic, I've seen it, and we've seen it in news stories, suicide ideation tends to increase within two to three weeks, the first two to three weeks, and you need support alongside that, because without that, we've seen people taking their own lives, because it does get worse before you start to level out on these medications. Well, two things there, like, do you feel like, you know, it's like, Oh, I've got a migraine. It's got well, no. You've got an headache, or oh, you know, for, I'm blind as well, Kev. No, you're wearing your contacts. Do you think like sometimes overusing the words, we get we lose actual sense of the word instead of saying, well, actually, no. This is the meaning of it. Don't take away from it because there are people suffering. Oh, and I think absolutely. And being sad and being depressed are two different things. 
Absolutely, yeah. And when you go back to the migraine comment, it's like I, I suffer from chronic migraines and I am on medication for them. Um, and when you have a migraine, typically you cannot do anything. You are sensitive to light, you're photosensitive and you cannot move. You are in that much <clears throat> sorry, that much pain. You know, it's like your, your brain is swelling. Um, and a headache, you are still able to carry on but if you're able to carry on that's that wouldn't be classed as migraine and it's one that is used so many times and then you go to your gp and they'll put it down to migraines and then this medication they put people on it's like well why have you put them on cocodamol because yes that's a pain med but then that causes cluster headaches which is then causing migraines and you're putting people on migraines on the same medication because it's just all too generalized because all of the stuff is being put down to this same thing although other people haven't got migraines they've just got headaches and, and back to like the school comment like do you think in the long run like she was saying off air saying you're doing a counseling course and psychology course at university how about like you know in um in america and i know we have a lot of uh, american listeners and well we have listeners for all in the world now but they have like school counselors how about like, if we could get this thing of like from primary school? Because I believe primary school is the answer. Already like, doing it. <clears throat> oh, I do. Not around here. <laughs> I'll let you into a secret on that one. No, so this is what Heads to Health, what we're doing. Oh, um, brilliant. I'm guessing you're going on to. So the conversation about kids becoming like school counselors, getting them trained up. Or, or, you, or you, you go as a child to go and see Dr. Plum. And then you can start saying, well, why are you hitting? Why are you pulling airs? Why are you mm -hmm. cooking yourself? Why are you overeating? Well, there's there's so many things within that which you've got to tackle. So why are you hitting? You know, there needs to be, well, all staff, I think, teacher training needs to be really, really improved because the amount of teachers, well, I put, we put a survey out um, recently and the amount of teachers said they don't get adequate training whatsoever. Um, and when it comes to dealing with something, they, they panic because they don't know how to approach it. So there's having a, so if a child is hitting someone at school, is getting angry, lashing out, you need to understand why. So it's understanding what could be causing a child to do that, but it's having an appropriate safeguarding system because it needs to be noted down because it could be something led back to the family. And we look at, you know, it's, if something's going on at home just because they might have a clean house like we've heard it with uh what was the child's name arthur you know it was that there was a lot of uh getting angry in school getting upset but things weren't looked into when they had a brief checkup the house was clean it was fine and now look what's happened because the safeguarding protocols weren't in place and it wasn't uh recorded appropriately things were missed and it led on to much worse consequence consequences for for Arthur um but also children in school you know and this, so that needs to be dealt with we need children young people to have that kind of the same not the same training as we do as adults but getting trained up in being peer counselors you know this peer mentoring is such a great tool one that helps children young people and adults understand why things are happening, understanding their peers who they might single out at the moment because 
they think they're a bit strange compared to them. It gets them on a level, but they're also gaining these skills and these tools that they can take on further in life. And we need to keep these conversations going. I'm building an accreditation scheme to put in all schools and workplaces at the moment to tackle this and to tackle the lack of support and push and change that the government just seem to really not have a care in the world of of doing when actually it's a simple thing um so we can put these accreditation schemes into schools they get some good press release alongside it so you know when that when schools work off good press release you know that's good messaging for the schools and getting them every year to be able to provide a bronze silver gold or platinum charter things they have to work towards it's like having an offset inspection you either get taken down or you get upgraded and you get told why and it makes makes it more inclusive it gives the kids something to work towards the schools and it teaches children how to look after not just their mental well-being or their overall well-being for that fact but also their peers as well i think that's fantastic i just want to go back to something you mentioned that um the training within for teachers within school and i really feel sorry for teachers because i don't know what it's like round by you but round here there is a absolutely chronic shortage of uh, special need school places um so what we're, what they're finding around here is now is people with say um autism uh, and things that can potentially be managed within a mainstream school depending on circumstances are getting sent there when they probably shouldn't be in that that school and then the teachers are having to deal with uh people with behavioral issues as well as trying to run a normal class and it, uh, i think it's you know without training without training because most people most uh teachers teacher assistants within special needs school actually have the training to be able to deal with all kinds of different behaviors disabilities but then they're going into these mainstream schools and the teachers just don't <clears> have the training to to cope but they have the training to a certain extent but i'll challenge that and actually say there should be more training in schools and this is where the education i don't always agree with send schools and the reason for that being i think especially it, it depends how far up the spectrum we are with autism but however when you are preparing a child to go and live a fully independent life it's that first step to kind of understanding how to navigate the world themselves that understanding and that's not a bad thing to do in mainstream but actually this the training the education needs to change to be able to make it an inclusive place because then being sent to a send school because schools aren't able to keep up with you being uh, with your needs or whatever that also feels like we're excluding yeah. people with special educational needs and disabilities. We're excluding them from actually experiencing what it's like to, to be a child in a, in a normal school. And it's yeah. down to the fact that teaching assistants, they're great, but the train, it's almost, I don't want to offend anyone, I'm sorry, but it is almost like when you become a HCA or go to work in a care home, you know, it's the training isn't enough and you get taught a few things and it's a bit more in depth than that, but 
there needs to be further training to support that and it shouldn't just be down to teaching assistants it's the teachers as well especially the head teachers of these schools if you're going to be a head teacher you need to be trained in this 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 and that it shouldn't be because you've been at the school for however many years i think there's got to be a better form of training in special needs in mainstream behavioral because a lot of times when i work in behavioral schools they are more encouraged to restrain 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 instead of finding a reason to calm the child down or why yes, is the child and, and i see it and i think well, that kid probably just a you're restraining them is basically a cuddle to him or her you're giving them a big hug instead of going look kev why are we doing this again or how, how can we we need better mentors within education restrain that could be caused that could be activating some sort of trigger in their mm -hmm. brain that's bringing back some ptsd about something that might be happening at home because it's not being looked into because mum and or dad might be getting physical towards them or their brother might be like active physically aggressive towards them or that something's going on outside of school that actually just restraining them is making them panic it's that fight or flight mode and normally schools shouldn't be doing that i know it, it changes in some specialist schools but it's just sitting down and understanding why with anyone it's just kind of getting on the level and it's as simple as listening and i see that with children in care you know when they go missing it's always the police going oh they're a strain on their services and social workers going they're missing again and then I'll go out and it will take me five minutes to sit down and understand why they keep going missing. It's like, right, so the problem is here. One, because I understand as a looked after child, like I used to go missing myself. But and then it shouldn't have to take me who doesn't work or get paid to get their placement changed and get them put into a better place and actually investigate the service that is causing this distress to them because that's putting pressure on the police, which they're not social workers they are out there to do a job and they're picking up the pieces and get shit thrown at them all the time because they're not good at their jobs when that isn't their job but it is as simple as listening the services don't seem to want to engage or listen at the moment and the problem is this this whole thing is we haven't got time to listen we're we're overworked and under and you go if we can spend nine billion on 40 PPE, then how about we spend a fraction of that and actually sort out the more vulnerable people? Started on the PPE conversation, <laughs> 9 billion on the 40 PPE and the uh, MPs having their hands in the pockets of those companies. And how was it 3.4 million a day in storage? It cost, cost the time. They're the burning it now, they're paying for it to be burned. <laughs> but it, but but over two think, years that was held. <laughs> I, I know money can't sort everything. But if you have people like yourself and people like ourselves and these wonderful people who, who live in the trenches, they're not sitting in an ivory office and sat down and gone, communication, we've not only the youth, we're the elders, we can fix this. And it won't spend, you'll spend money at the start, but in the long run, we will save trillions because we'll have a happier, happier country. I've never been paid since doing this and start mine first organization when i was 13 i've never been paid for a single thing i do and out of the seven organizations i run it all comes out of my pocket i mean i work tirelessly and try and keep food on the table for my family for myself but also to fund these things and if i can fund 
starting up an accreditation scheme and figure out a way to do that without costing the taxpayer anything and actually making a difference to schools and improving that the training and the outcomes for all children and young people and people in work then why is why is the government not doing it they try things are over complicated as well when they don't need to be it just needs to be stripped back set to basics and a simple solution not trying to make it a complex solution for actually what's quite a simple problem when you look at it so I'm, I'm glad you touched on it though but what would 13 years old i mean uh, on our first podcast you talked about it saying about through the autism the bullying and what was the first one up to now that you've been a part of the first a charity that you started so the first charity i started so obviously stand up speak out was a non-profit organization so it's a charitable company um because you can't start a charity until you're 18 company until you're 16 but with the help of um some very good well-known people like richard branson um I was able to do that and that was all because i mean at a young age having nowhere to turn no one to talk to especially in school social media was just coming about and i realized that no one was talking about their experiences especially an autistic person it took me to kind of start this movement off on twitter and then all of a sudden it got engaged and then <clears throat> just went global it went mad and there's me who was who was known as a nobody back then then starting this organization all of a sudden people were listening to me i was impressed internationally nationally locally and then finding myself on tv some weird reality tv stuff as well um <laughs> extra factor live um slot dropping with charlotte crosby which is the weirdest thing i've done and that probably the biggest thing I regret to date but anyway we move on um <laughs> <laughs> but no it's, that that was my that was what built my life and I I always look back to Martin Luther King and this is he always inspires me um because of my autism I need to see things kind of real life I, I was never into cartoons it had to be real life and I watched a film with Martin Luther King and I saw this saw this man who, you know, the black community endured so much hatred, so much racism and discrimination. It was, it was awful. And I kind of looked at that from my own experiences. And although it wasn't the same, it was very similar to, I just felt like I was this, this nobody with so many people shouting around me and, you know, assaulting me left, right and center. And then he put it, put it into the, I have a dream speech. And all my life since then, I've always put my negative experiences in psychiatric units, care homes, school, anything that I've been through that has broken me, that has almost led me to lose my own life. I've put it into an I have a dream speech and then thought, okay, so what would my dream be after that? And that's what's always motivated me to make change. My, my own I have a dream speech with every situation in life and what are you working on now so heads to health is what i'm doing at the moment um and just uh, for standout 
which is via the charity, which is the first of its kind ever in Europe to run social services as a charity in Northamptonshire. Um, if anyone has heard of the news stories with Northamptonshire County Council going bankrupt because of their misspending and fraudulent stuff, um, that directly affected me. And, you know, from starting a social work academy and a children care council and care leavers forum at the age of 15 running those and developing the ways social workers get trained i always said why don't why isn't this run as a charity so alongside stand up speak out worked on doing that and now stand out runs half the social services as a charity improving the health social and economic outcomes for children in care and looked after and and care leavers and giving them the right tools the right opportunities the right skills and making sure they have a say in how the services are run and it just it makes a difference and we're building care homes related which are trauma informed approaches which are built around the needs for children which aren't overcrowded to really give them the best outcome possible and uh yeah building that up we got our charity number uh the first year of lockdown which wasn't too helpful uh, after many years battling with the charities commission which many people do but no that's a that's a very proud moment indeed and it should be proud Joe. i mean that's remarkable what you've done in uh, in your life but isn't it, it it always seems to me like it always falls back on the charities and i'm thinking how can a local council go bump how, how can this be allowed when we're allowed to pay bankers off and I'm not here to be political, so that's not how I, how I am. I don't know. It was, it was a lot of it was down to them buying a corporate box and the Cobblers football stadium. Like that, that was children's services budget had gone there. Like it was, it's awful. And you see it happening so many times all around the world. And it's down to the pe people at the top. Once you work your way up, it's like, oh, I can, I can do this now. I, I can make myself money. And it's all. Most of it has been illegal, and we found it with so many local authorities all around the country. It's uh, we're finding it a bit actually here uh, here now, especially coming up to elections. They've they've just announced in our, in our borough that they're going to fund a a statue. Um, is it me? Of the, of the no no of of, of the iron. Think it should be. And, well, it should be <laughs> a statue of the the iron works that went on, and we're really proud of our history here and. Um, I think if money wasn't as tight as it was, it'd be a cracking idea. But mm. with everyone struggling, you just think, surely that money there can be spent in a, in a better way. The statue's uh, just going to stay there. Is the statue yeah. going to come to life and help people who are in absolute crisis? Exactly. It's, you know, it's not going to help people with the cost of living for the, for the start, you know. And, and I, it just, I don't get what the people in Georgia are thinking, to be quite honest, to think that now is a good time to be doing that. It's all left down to individuals and charities. And like I said, like the first month of lockdown with me, I had 3,000 people from the UK and then more from around the globe contacting me because they couldn't get help anywhere else. Mm. You know, and that left me working day and night, back to back, seven days a week, sleeping an hour a day, if that. And having to safeguard appropriately liaise with police forces all over the country and around the world to make sure people are appropriately safeguarded getting as much information as i could right now all these reports because the services 
aren't there and i'm not blaming the people that work in these services you know it's not their fault there can be better people that work in the services i will say that <clears throat> but the government have misspent and they don't want to put that money in you know and you look at what they're trying to say they're tackling the cost of living with by you know <laughs> up in the national insurance threshold and all that that, that means nothing you're up in tax taxes which you said you cut but all you're doing is you're up in this saying you're up in pay for everyone when you're not it doesn't even level out so you've mm -hmm. upped energy prices after up in the pay and everyone's still left lower than what you can physically live off and uh, this is what kind of annoys me with politics because they have a great way of justifying their their actions and making people believe that they're the right party to do this. And we'll probably see the Tories are probably going to cut taxes when it comes to the next general election to get their votes in. Mm. And people will think it's great, but you know, the amount of harm it's done to the daily lives and the families all over the country, it's, it makes me really angry and, I never used to be into politics, but I'm into politics because of one, how angry it makes me. And if I'm having a bad day, love putting on prime minister's questions and having a right go. That's, that's my therapy. <laughs> I find myself getting more annoyed with it now, now, because <laughs> you can't get a straight answer. And that goes well, for all the parties. It we got quite not... boring when Partygate kind of filtered out, didn't it? But, and then when it came back in, Keir Starmer being a barrister, probably not a great leader for a political party, but he knows how to put things in a great legal way. And it's how but, Boris but Johnson still managed to avoid it, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we as we we say this every time. We try not to be political, but in the climate we're in now, and with what's going on, it's really, really hard not to talk about it because we are a mental health and disability podcast, and it, and the, the what goes on within politics really at the moment is affecting both of those things to such a high level. You know, the uh, the people not being able to put food on their table to feed their kids is going to cause a higher rate of suicide. It, it, it the, just is. And, and it's the fear of the bailiffs. We're, we're already seeing the higher rates of suicide. Yeah. And we I mean, the report that came out in the suicide statistics uh, last year wasn't even accurate because the reporting hadn't all of it hadn't come back. And it's just made it worse. The amount of people taking their own lives because they're having to decide whether they live in a warm house or eat and then freeze to death, it's, it's just not right. And we're seeing rent going up for so many. We're seeing house prices go through the roof. So it's not just one thing, it's another. And I think if anyone's listening to this and wanting to find something that we can all unite about, I think we all need to be united in the fact we are all so... I'm going to say it bluntly, we are all so pissed off with the way we are all being treated and the way things are being dealt with because we do deserve better. As people that live in these live in this country and rely on these leaders to make things as best as possible, we are all being let down. And this isn't just, you know, something that one person is getting angry about. This is affecting all of us. If it's not affecting you directly, it's I guarantee it's affecting one in two of your mates at the very least. Because and you know we are all united in how we feel about this, the same way a lot of us are with Ukraine and Russia. You know, and I tend to look at that at the moment. And as 
it sounds bad saying it, but I don't like saying it makes me, it, it's kind of helped me get through the worries of the cost of living crisis. But I feel so incredibly lucky that we are not in that conflict zone. But and then I feel so incredibly angry that our government also aren't doing anything to help these poor people trying to flee these families that we're seeing every day on the news as well. When, if we're in that situation, wouldn't we want other countries to open the doors and support us? I think just going back to the cost of living, I mean, it's hard when you're trying to save money, but everything has gone up by 10, 20, 30 pence to a pound to two pounds. Then your petrol has gone up and then your electricity has gone up and then your bills have gone up. And then you can't afford to go to the chip shop or the takeaways and you can't afford to buy clothes and you can't afford to have days out and holidays. So everyone is going to suffer from the high to the low, aren't they? If you yeah. can't, you haven't, you're not earning money and the money is just going on your gas, electricity and your petrol and your bills. How can I keep the local shop alive? Exactly. And shop local. We see too many and don't get me wrong. I love Audi, but you look at all these small run family family shops in whatever town you may live in who really need our our custom our support the same way like local restaurants or local cafes instead of going to costas or starbucks got so many nice cafes around that i'd much rather go to and spend or cost a fortune as i call it on a on a coffee i'd rather buy local and help those people out uh, it is just going through the through the roof, and I think Martin Lewis has been a lifesaver for me, to be honest. Through this, <laughs> never been interested in his programs beforehand, but actually, uh, I've learned a lot about how to save money, and learned a lot actually about things I didn't know about electricity prices, how different things affect it. Um, but you know, that's trying to look on the bright side of a very dark and miserable problem which all of us are facing at the moment but something else i want i'm going to change the conversation because um something i love talking to you about is like we were saying about um autism and a different uh, spectrum of it but and saying how difficult it is for women to often be diagnosed correctly yeah absolutely this is a problem that's been affecting so many young girls women i mean more often now we're seeing women in their early 30s mid 30s only just getting a diagnosis and for so many years wondering why they're having these problems why they're battling with their thoughts and why they just feel like there's so many barriers and not able to understand who they are and something which not just with autism the diagnostic criteria are just they are <laughs> they are awful um to put it nicely and you know we were speaking about it um just before we came live and it's all this research has been done when, when you look at autism the research has been done on on young lads older males and you know there's 80 to 85 percent females are going undiagnosed and without any sort of help or support and then what this leads to is also these false diagnoses 
which you know you get the wrong medication and the wrong diagnosis still leads you with wondering why you don't fit that bit or not getting support for that bit which you know then you're still trying to find that your self-identity and uh yeah it, it, i don't know why it's taking such a long time and it's still people still don't seem to be listening uh the hierarchy um as to this and i mean the research done was many 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 years ago and it hasn't changed since um but as i said to you uh on the phone the other day kev um you know when our little one was uh got his autism diagnosis and i wasn't surprised um and he's incredibly bright as well mm -hmm. like autism these things don't mean you're not bright but it's the high functioning aspect but I'm, I was diagnosed, I'm autistic, but diagnosed with Asperger's and ADHD. But I was told that Asperger's is no longer used because of the such broad spectrum, which Asperger's could fit so many different things. So you could have certain traits of it and it just makes things too complex. But now it's known as high functioning autism because actually it all fits into one bracket. And this is why the understanding a lot wider in communities and schools amongst other parents there isn't that awareness and understanding because the spectrum has been miles wide when actually it just needed to be condensed and that's finally been listened to and i think hopefully now that has been done and now we've got that understanding i think we'll now see more females getting a diagnosis from an early age but we still need to tackle this diagnostic criteria could you explain to people, though, in brief, I know it's, I'm, I'm putting, you under, uh, putting you under the cost here, but a simple way of explaining the difference between autism and uh, Asperger's, please. Asperger's still falls under autism, um, but it's, it, it's, some people just diagnose with Asperger's, but Asperger's is the social communication part, and it's basically, you know, it, hard to, um uh what what's the word i'm looking for hard to control your emotions um balance those out understanding of the world uh and he, like i said the spectrum for asperger's is huge as well but like autism it's a social communication disorder so it's very similar like when you hear people saying they're autistic a lot of the stuff is Asperger's but for some reason it was being separated and that's where a lot of people were also being misdiagnosed and not having that but it's essentially it's the same it's a social communication disorder struggling to identify the world you see things in such a unique perspective I've always said my autism is my superpower um, but it's also regulating that was the word I was looking for, the regulating your mood, your emotions and understanding how to communicate and fit the words with the emotions you're feeling. So to talk about it, it's like doing DBT when you learn how to talk about certain things that are, come, that are going on in your life, but it's, you can never get that vocabulary and picking up people's emotions. So it's all that, that stuff. But for some odd reason, Asperger's was always left out of that. 
but I'm glad you said it was just means high functioning Latin to English. So you tend to find people with Asperger's. Um, they had some sort of superpower, like mine could be IT or setting up charities, weirdly. Um, and our, our young one upstairs, within less than a day of having the whole Mr. Men and Little Miss book collection, on the back of the books are tiny, tiny numbers. And the next day, picking up random books and going, that's number 21, that's number three. He'd spent less than three hours in the room with these books and he could just memorize every number of all these books in the Little Miss and the Mr. Men collection. Well, and, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you said this about your superhero because how many parents out there and you have the diagnosis and I think, oh, no, no, Kevin's life will never be the same and oh, no. But you can say, I mean, look at all you've achieved. So... Your life does not end with a uh, with a diagnosis, does it? Not at all. And it's just it's another another road to to understanding your child, yourself. And we've got to stop using this term label. Like so many parents, and so many times I've heard it, have been like, "I don't want my child to be labelled. I don't want." It's not a label. It's something that makes your child. It's not something that makes your child different and separate from the rest. It is the making of your child. So see it as that instead of, oh, it's this. You're going to have to approach things differently. You might not understand what it's like to walk in your child's shoes, but it it helps your child get on that road to, to their success in their own way. And like I said, it's just seeing, seeing the world in a different place. Sometimes that is very scary from an autistic perspective, like, looking at the Ukraine and Russia and wondering why the world is such a horrible place and seeing it as this dark, gloomy place where no one is actually ever safe and you could go on and then it just starts to tumble. You do see see it very black and white, but actually you also see the 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 answers to the world and in a very simple simple way. And like you've you've got your unique talents like, i don't know if you've seen the guy in america that was like a human calculator you could give him a massive sum and quicker than the calculator would calculate it when you press the equals equals button he could calculate it like that he had asperger's bill gates has asperger's richard brant sir richard branson has asperger's mark zuckerberg has asperger's so you look at all of these people that are some of the richest men in the world that have built these things because they have their unique um, focuses, their their skill sets. And once you, they focus on it, they, they know the trick of that trade so well. And I think sometimes it's like when you get diagnosed with dyslexia at a young age, it's not you are that thing. But now that thing has been identified, we can work with it and get you a better form of education and we can learn how to work with it earlier the better. Exactly. And, you know, once you can get an EHP um, put into place, the educational health plans, then, you know, they're not easy. But once you get that initial diagnosis for your for your child, the EHP is a simple process, well, not a simple process, but actually the schools are now getting a lot better at 
putting these support plans in in play um, to really help all children, young people. And like I said, it's about changing that mindset of, oh, they've been diagnosed with this or I've been diagnosed with this. Don't think of it as something that, oh, they've got this that separates them or that separates you. This is something that makes you. It's like my diabetes. I don't like it, my type 1 diabetes and, you know, I've got a catheter, you know, and horrible things. And, it, yeah, it feels like it separated me from the rest to start off with. But actually these things make me and it's given me an understanding of how my life works differently to others. And I can now use that as an experience to help other people. So it's just it's about changing that mindset and not seeing these things as labels, as barriers anymore. It's what's that saying? Stop finding things that separate us and find things that unite us. Absolutely. I love that. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> well, is that is that trademarked under your name? Do I need well, to put that underneath? I've got uh, <laughs> that off someone else, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, I mean, is it is there any before we finish the show and I've got some thanks to say, is there anything else you want to say while we're out here talking to people or anything you want to bring up to people? No, I mean I mean, one thing I obviously telling you earlier, you know, I'm I'm getting married this year, which congratulations. When we talk about relationships and social communication, never thought I could ever have a relationship and being, you know, the care system and all of that. These things were never easy to me at all. I never thought I'd I'd have a life, let alone be getting married. And yeah, so don't ever let these things stop you. I mean, there are always going to be bumps along the way you're always going to have relapses with certain certain illnesses but you just need to keep keep um keep driving on your road you know once you i always see it as a breakdown service you know you need a bit of help and support to get your car on on back on the road to your journey um but you know there are always going to be these um these hurdles along the way but we we learn after every hurdle and it does make us stronger over time but you know everything is possible anything is possible for anyone there's some people are gonna have to work harder than others it feels because some support isn't in place enough but no matter what you can still achieve uh whatever you believe you can achieve is the term i always use Sorry, I just want to go back to something that you said earlier about the HCP reports. Now, um, over the last four years now, I think, I'm trying to think of my daughter's age, oh, I've had to deal with the HCPs. And I just want to say to any parent out there who's having to go through the process for the first time, do not be afraid to speak up and make sure it's written in the HCP report if everything is written in there, because that will be the Bible that everywhere should go off. To, to make sure your child gets the correct education yeah and if you're if your child's in nursery it's about try if you have any concerns about some differences which or some barriers which you are a bit concerned about that your young per, your child or a young person if you're a teacher in nursery um don't be afraid to bring that up don't be afraid to ask nursery for any feedback constructive feedback as to you know how they've been behaving or whatever and it's really good starting off from an early year setting. So, you know, they can help you get the um, children and families uh, team involved in your local area, which will help you get a diagnosis for whatever that may be. 
And once you do that, the early years setting that you're in, along with the, the children and families team, will put together that EHCP for you before they go into primary years settings. And that carries your child, that stays with your child all the way through. And it's not staying with your child like a big cloud over your head going, I've got an EHCP. It just means that support is always rolling. So the earlier, the better. Um, so don't don't be afraid and don't see it as a label like said many times throughout today. And I'll also say if anyone out there is going through that process now and needs any advice, just contact us on blackcountryblokes at gmail.com. Yeah, or myself, just type in Joe Plum or email hello at thejoeplum.co.uk and, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll give you some help and advice along the way. And that's what we've got to be doing as a people, you know. No matter what we're doing, we're all around different parts of the country, around the world. If we can be kind and help someone, that they hopefully will pass it on to someone or pass it on to someone. And we as uh, the common day man, you know, who aren't in the country, but if we can keep spreading this kindness, we will make a difference. So on about this, because we're coming to an end now, on about being kind, our brothers and sisters at Higgs LLP have yep. done the Bridge North Walk and have raised us a large sum of money. It's still coming in, so thank you so very much to everyone. It was uh, 27 miles, I believe. It was a long, blooming walk. Oh, a wow. Marathon. A marathon. Well, a walking marathon. A walking but, marathon. Yeah. But they've done us so I don't think it really matters. That's a long way. And they've raised us. And we're popping in to see them next week to give them a massive thank you. And just, yeah, it's wonderful, the kindness of people. And I know when money's tight... And they've put it out there and raised money. Good, hard-working people have put their hands in their pockets. And we're going to come up with some great ideas. Better some ideas off, no doubt, Joe and other people and sit. What can we actually do with it? Now, it's Mental Health Awareness Week next week. Not that we just need a week to think about mental health. So we're going to do some different bobs. So keep your eyes on us. And if you are listening to this on Apple Music or Apple, uh, Apple Music or iPlayer, Please leave us a review, a uh, five-star review, and little things. It helps us work up these things. What still... it means is Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Don't buy no apples. <laughs> Keep away from the greengrocer. <laughs> Who can no, afford shop that? Local. Shop local. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, thank you, brother. Have you got any thank quotes or much. any quotes or sayings that have helped you get through life? Um. It's always been uh, plants don't grow without a bit of rain, so embrace the storms of your life and keep growing. Well, guys, I hope you've enjoyed it. So until we see each other next time, I want you all to take care of yourselves and each other. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you'd like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, Tararabit. Listen, listen.